squatters. 36 seconds into the overtime. Right. Oh, let's go. Tristan Robbins bangs away at it a second time. Slows it behind for Taylor. It's in the net. Blades Uncut. Episode 30 of Blades Uncut. Like I was just saying, Les, a milestone. 30 right. episodes in. Let the trumpets Unbelievable. play. Unbelievable. Yep. Look at this. Yep. Okay? My name is Mitch Bach. Of course, Les Lazarick joining me for this Blades Uncut episode presented by Great Western Brewing Company. And we are just a little over two weeks away from the Western oh. Hockey League's East Division beginning play in the Hub Center, or as you like to call the double. Yes, the double in Regina. Starting March 12th, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm still quivering. I, and as we get closer, the the shakes start happening a little bit more. As the, the, nerves, the nerves will start to kick in along with the anxiousness yep. and the excitement, etc. So. Well, I can tell there's a buzz when I'm walking through the front door into the radio station here. Oh, less is vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's excited. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot that goes on in this building, and something ha- something new, a new project for this radio company, uh, with the Blades being back on the radio, yeah. uh, is is huge. It's it's got a lot of people talking. I haven't talked to as many of my fellow staff members as I have in the last couple of weeks. Normally, they just leave me alone, and you know, I'm like the proverbial mushroom sitting in the corner, and you know, allowed to just sort of collect the uh, fertilizer, so to speak. But uh, all of a sudden, people want to talk guy. to me. Yeah. It's like why don't you talk to me normally? Well, you're not that interesting. And then that's true. I, that's very true. Popular so, guy. Popular yeah, guy. all of a sudden. All well, of a sudden. Uh, there is a little bit more clarity in uh, terms of the broadcast. So you, of course, will be calling all 24 games for the Blades. Yes. Uh, those of those um, all of all of the radio broadcasts, of course, uh, directly out of here is CJWW Radio. Yeah, well, actually, uh, ninety eight Cool is 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 ninety eight Cool to be more is specific. is the, is yeah. the station that has the rights for doing Blades hockey. This will be year three of a four year deal mm-hmm. for ninety eight Cool broadcasting Blades games. So ninety eight point three on your FM dial or at ninety eight uh, Cool. Dot com on your uh, on the website. I think it's ninety eight cool dot com. Ninety eight cool dot ca. It might be too. It's, it's on Check that the, out. I mean, you, you can find that. Too. You can yeah. find that it's off out. of our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but I mean, here's the deal. It sounds like, and nothing's official yet. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like there's going to be two games in a day. For most days, there might be one game in a day at some point. But it's going to be very intense over about seven very. or eight weeks. Yeah. There'll be an afternoon game. If the Blades play on a weekday afternoon, we will start our broadcast right without a pregame show, right on the time that is ta- that is talked about. Mm-hmm. If it's evening on a weekday or any time during the weekend, there will be a half an hour pregame show leading into the game. So yeah. kind of like we are used to, but not quite. It, it'll be a little different this year because right. of programming commitments and also COVID-19 mm-hmm. issues that we have to follow. Well, and from the Blades perspective as well, we'll also have a pregame show that will be airing on our social media channels as well as on SaskatoonBlades.com. Game previews, game recaps. Uh, it'll feel like a regular season from a digital perspective, mm-hmm. even though our fans aren't actually in attendance. There, We are working really hard to upgrade and revamp our digital interaction with our fans, give them an experience that's one of a kind. I know WHL Live, uh, just within the last hour, uh, we're obviously recording this on Wednesday. Right now it's coming up on 1 o'clock. So within the last hour, the WHL announcing that WHL TV, this new WHL Live experience 
has been announced. Yes. So for $60, you uh, you have the ability to take advantage of this. All access, every game, any device. If you're a season ticket holder with the Saskatoon Blades, get in touch with us because we do have an exclusive offer to give to you. Mm. Uh, but again, from a digital perspective, I think the league is taking more of a uh, a prioritized approach towards making sure that digitally this is a one-of-a-kind experience for our fans because obviously we're not going to have fans in attendance. we got to give them some a quality product yeah. to, 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 to watch and to interact with. And on the schedule... The Blades will be a home team, listed as the home team, 12 out of the 24 games. They'll be the yep. road team, 12 of the 24 games. And from what I'm understanding, the, the the games that the Blades are the home team, you will hear me doing the play-by-play. On WHL play Live, correct. On WHL yep. Live. But if you have the uh, if the Blades are the road team or the away team, as it were, then you will have the opposition play-by-play person calling the game on WHL Live. On those particular days, I urge you to turn the sound down on WHL Live and boost up 98 Cool, and you've got me. <laughs> if it's synced accordingly. Ah, yes, it'll yeah. be close enough. Just, just, okay. It'll right. be close enough. All right. Well, the current state of where we're at, how about, okay, so yes. players and staff right now are in the first stage of self-quarantine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, all players and staff uh, putting themselves into self-isolation uh, le- this last weekend. They have to go through that for seven days, and... After seven days, so this weekend, they'll all seven teams will be convening in Regina. They'll undergo some form of testing uh, and uh, basically uh, quarantine themselves, isolate themselves into the bubble. They'll go through one test and then two tests, a second test a couple of days later, yeah. make sure that everything has been given the green light. Players and staff need to go through two weeks of self-isolation with no positive cases before they are able to get together for any sort of team activities. And then the hope is, is come March the 5th, a Friday, a week before the season is supposed to start, that practices will then be able mm-hmm. to begin at the Brandt Center in Regina. That's correct. Yeah. So a few boxes left to check off. Yeah. But right now, I mean, every player and every staff member is doing what they can to make sure that mm-hmm. they are not at risk of contracting the virus and potentially putting a, a halt or a, a push back to this start date. So, um, again, you know, we're only four days into this uh, self-quarantine, so we're still quite early with, in, in that regard. But um, also very exciting because, you know, there's not much time. Last week when we were recording, uh, we had just a little bit over three weeks before the WHL season was to begin. Now we're just a little over two weeks. Obviously, in just uh, a couple days from this recording, the Central Division is starting up. And it's it's a high time for WHL hockey. It is, absolutely. I'm looking forward to listening this weekend to games involving the Alberta teams. There'll be two of them each Friday, Saturday. Uh, Calgary does not play this weekend. They are the team with the bye. Their first games won't be until the following weekend in the month of March. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the various broadcasts and seeing how guys are coming along. They're playing in their rinks without mm-hmm. fans. Uh, yeah. And doing the travel thing, so it's a little different than what we're doing in the East Division with the hub. But it, it's you know there's no positive tests yet amongst those Alberta teams, so that That's is the right. good news there as they head into games starting on Friday. That's right, yeah. And uh, for any of our season ticket members or flex holder uh, members, get in touch with us if you do want to watch Central Division hockey. You can, and you can also do it for a deal. Just get in touch with us and find out ways right. to take advantage of an exclusive. Offer. Meanwhile, uh, some other news out of the Saskatoon Blades. Josh Paulus, a local mm-hmm. guy, 
uh, recently signed. He's been added to the active roster ahead of this 24-game regular season. He's got three WHL games under his belt, including one career goal, all three of which played uh, played with the Regina Pats this last season. Most of his junior hockey career has been played out of the SJHL, uh, but he's uh, obviously he's a local product. Uh, yep. Just a good feel-good story uh, to have some local Saskatoon blood now infused into the Blades roster, and at the very least, he'll add some some depth uh, to this uh, to this Blades team. And depth is is going to be important, especially when you're in a, in quarantine uh, in more of a bubble type environment, yep. and knowing that teams are playing every day or every second day or on the off chance it'll be a you know a two day break that's a lot of hockey in a short amount of time so injuries could yep. potentially arise this is where Josh Paulus can certainly uh rise to the occasion and help fill a roster spot on the blades in the blades lineup pretty sure i know his dad hi perry uh yeah i mean <laughs> okay. speaking of golf which we will be later yeah. on there's a good golfer Perry Paulus. Perry Paulus. Oh, yeah. Perry Paulus. There you go. <laughs> Something to keep um, in mind. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, we'll get into a big story out of the world of golf here later <laughs> on. Uh, this yeah. is obviously, this is a big episode, okay? Like, yeah. when I say that it's episode 30, it's it's a milestone of an episode. It is. Okay, and this, aside from just the number uh, in which uh, this episode is, um, We've got a couple of esteemed guests coming on. Yes, we do. Obviously, there's Tristan Robbins. Uh, he's freshly returned from the AHL. He's got a couple of games under his belt with the San Jose Barracuda, as well as Dave Struish. Okay. The head coach of the Regina Pats, and of course, at one time, well, I mean, he's his name is printed all over the top of the Blades record book for goals, assists, points, games played. <laughs> uh, tremendous player back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, played for a few different coaches, including Lauren Mulliken, and then coached alongside Lauren Mulliken back in the early 2000s, mid, mid to late 2000s, I guess. Uh, was a head coach of the team for a year. Now he's moved on to the Regina Pats, and so the Blades will be playing against the Regina Pats and Dave Struish during the course of the WHL's East Division Hub coming right. up soon. That is right, and uh, you know, we'll obviously uh, be touching on his long-lasting career oh. with Saskatoon and Try to get a bit of a fly-on-the-wall approach to how Regina is preparing for this 24-game season. If you're the host city, I mean, all eyes are essentially going to be on you. Not only, you know, if, if you're the Saskatoon Blades, you're on the road, you've got your team to look after. If you're, the, if you're the host, you've got some responsibilities outside of just, you know, playing to take care of as well. So uh, I'm more curious to find out from Dave Struish about two new players on that team. One being Connor Bedard, who, of course, received the exceptional status from Hockey Canada to be able to play as a 15-year-old. Well, he's 16 now, so it's kind of not a big deal, but he's essentially playing a year ahead of what you're allowed in the Western Hockey League. And then the other guy is a 20-year-old, maybe even 21 now. I'm not sure. I haven't looked Mm -hmm. uh, if he's had his birthday already in 2021, but Roddy Ross, Mm -hmm. who played goal and very well in goal for the Seattle Thunderbirds over the last couple of years. He's a Saskatchewan kid, so Mm -hmm. now he's with the Regina Pats. Those are two guys, two significant additions to the Pats that I'm curious to find out from in speaking with Dave Struess. Yeah, and expect Regina to be a a, a much more competitive team this year than last year. Not to say they weren't competitive last year. You know, every team goes through developmental phases, uh, you know, at times, uh, but they're uh, certainly going to be a team... uh, 
to be reckoned with. Absolutely. It's hard. You know, one of these episodes, maybe next episode, Les, we should really dive into each team and with some of our expectations for Sounds fine what by they're me. going to. I'm you know, there. I'm with you. How many wins are going to have. So, of 24 games, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yep. We'll talk about Sounds that. Sounds good. Stay tuned. Next, episode 31, we'll have more of a in-depth look into, you know, our predictions on how this season is going to transpire. But let's get to our first guest. Mm-hmm. And let's, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's played some pro hockey. You know, in between the last time the Blades played back on March 10th in Moose Jaw of, 2009, of 2020, and now Tristan Robbins has played two games of pro hockey. I mean, we've touched on all the stuff he's gone through. Yeah. Being ranked high, being drafted, signing a contract. We've had him on a few times. Now we're going to have him on to talk about actually playing some pro games and being south of the border and yeah. probably being sick to death of being quarantined. But yeah. Mitch, take it away. All right, now for our first guest on this Blades Uncut podcast. And this is a guy that we've had on here a few times, Les, he is and the, for good he, reason. He is the leader of appearances <laughs> on the Blades Uncut podcast. I think this is number four, number if I'm four? not mistaken. Number four? Is that yeah. right, Robbie? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, today might be number four. Okay, well, and for good reason, obviously. You know, an NHL draft pick. He was recently down south uh, playing for the San Jose Barracuda. Two games in the AHL under his belt. And, I mean, we've already talked to him. It's Tristan Robbins, of course, number 11 for the Saskatoon Blades. Now back in Canada. Robbie, how's life treating (laughs) you right now? It's uh, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, this little isolation here and then get things going with the Blades. Uh, The weather... For sure, I'm not so happy about um, getting kind of used to the plus 23 every day down in Phoenix. But, uh, you know, I'm not complaining uh, being back here with this group. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of a, a timeline here. When was your last game with the Barracuda? When did you get back into Canada? And what is your situation now when it comes to self-quarantining? Uh, my last game with the Barracuda was a little bit over a week ago. Okay. Uh, then our plan was to go back from Texas because we were in Texas playing the uh, the Stars there, which is the Dallas farm team. Yeah. And so we were heading back to Phoenix, and, but there was this massive weather uh, weather storm surge that hit, so we were right. stuck in a hotel for a few days. That was a little wild, not not uh, too many accessible areas to get food, and then power was out for a day and a little bit, so that was a, wow. a bit of an experience there. And so... They had to cancel our last game in uh, in Texas because of the uh, power outages. So a couple of days later, we drove back to uh, actually we had to drive to Houston and then fly Houston to Phoenix, and uh, got back to Phoenix and then spent a couple of days there. And then uh, yeah, now we're back here and I'm sitting on a 14 day quarantine right now. Okay, so when do you come out of that 14 day quarantine? Uh, today is day five. Okay, so. Um, Nine days from now, yep. I will be out of the quarantine, which I think puts me at uh, two Saturdays from this or from now. Yeah, okay. Not this Saturday, but the next one. Right. Okay. So if all systems go according to plan, you should be able to link in with the team right around the same time that the team is all convening in Regina, and they're able to begin on ice training and it's all sorts of different team activities. Yeah, I think I I'll be a week late to the party, which. Um, you know, it won't be ideal, obviously, but right, I might yeah. be I might be jumping into a couple of days of practice and then flying right into the season. Jeez, oh man. Okay, so we'll get into uh, you know the, playing in the AHL here shortly. But that snowstorm down in Texas, we obviously heard about that here. In some ways, it must have kind of felt like home, no? Or 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it was wild. <laughs> I uh, we were in Phoenix. Went from you know plus twenty three weather, like I said. Flew down to Texas. Uh, it was a little cold the day we got there, but there was no snow. It was like four or five degrees. And um, then I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning, and there was this palm tree outside my window that I had uh, had seen before going to bed. Before I shut the blinds, I woke up, and the palm tree was pretty much looking like it was upside down. All the leaves were folded down because oh, of the freezing wow. rain and the snow. And I looked outside my window, and there was two feet of snow everywhere, and it was actually bananas. <laughs> the The whole city shut down. The roads were all ice. And, of course, they don't have winter tires down there in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a gong show there for about a week. Oh, did you chat with any teammates who'd never seen anything like this? And, you know, what was the overall impression from some of the teammates who, you know, weren't familiar with what that may have, may have been like? Yeah, I think most of the, most of the guys on the team, um, were from Canada or Northern States or even mm-hmm. played in Canada. There's a couple of guys who were uh, Americans from California who played in the Western League, actually. Gotcha. So they were uh, pretty familiar with the snow, but there's a couple of guys that uh, were a little bit shocked on how much ice were actually on the roads, but that shocked me as well. There was, a, there was a layer of ice on the roads, so I think that's one of the main reasons why transportation and yeah. everything got canceled. Because um, it was actually, you know, even if you had winter tires, it would have been a dangerous drive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's shift our conversation now to you know what you're doing right now and obviously you can't be doing a whole lot since you're in a 14-day quarantine uh but march march 12th the east division is back on the ice what are you doing to prepare for this 24 game regular season right now robbie uh right now i'm doing everything i can i uh, have a pretty good setup in my in the basement of my billet house right now i've got uh you know some odds and ends of dumbbells here and there and then some resistance bands bosu ball and um the blades were kind enough to uh drop off a stationary bike here so i'm keeping my cardio up and doing everything i can to keep my body in shape for when the season rolls around so staying at your billets here in saskatoon uh, a bill family that you're obviously quite familiar with yes sir Mm -hmm. and they've been taking good care of you even though they can't really come in contact with you yeah no it's been amazing they're uh they're great people i'm yeah fortunate to be uh to be with them that's great Okay, so when the announcement came out, Robbie, what was your first impression? You know, because obviously you had to be under the impression that you'd be returning to Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was a little, a little weird. So I was in uh, in the states at the time and uh, heard that there was confirmation on our twelfth start and that things were trending in the right direction. And so I was on the phone with uh, with my agent and then the coaching staff, just trying to figure out if uh, there's a man, you know, like the mandatory 14 day quarantine, or if you can do mm-hmm. 10 days of the negative COVID test, or trying right. to, you know, trying to see if there's any any ways around it. But obviously, there's not. So I've got to do the 14 day quarantine. And uh, I guess I was talking with one of the um, one of the security officers at the airport when I landed in uh, in Calgary uh, five days ago. Mm-hmm. And he said to me that we were the last of three flights coming into Canada that don't have to do the hotel isolation for three days with the COVID right. test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were, yeah, we were, I think we were six hours before that rule came into wow, place. So wow. I would have been uh, an extra three days behind the boys oh. more than I am right now. Like Crazy. $2,000 too. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. A little bit of money coming out of, your, yeah. out of somebody's pocket. Let's put it that way. Okay. So you've got a chance to go. Last time we spoke with you, you were in Chandler, Arizona in training camp with the Sharks. You go and you play some games with the Barracuda. You've got a pretty good taste of professional hockey over the last couple of months. And now you're coming back to play for the Blades. And there's a lot of fans out there that would say, 
Well, geez, that's got to be a little bit of a come down to come back to play major junior. How do you feel about the situation? Are you are you are you happy with the idea of coming back and getting an opportunity to play a lot and have a big role with the Blades for this year? Absolutely, I'm extremely excited to uh, to be back and have the the season right over the horizon here. Um, I got an extremely good taste of pro with the Sharks and the Barracuda. Um, obviously, I'm not old enough to stay down there, um, being a 19 year old. But, uh, you know, my goal coming in back to uh, Saskatoon as a veteran player and as a leader is to, you know, play and practice and just come to the rink every single day with that professional mindset and, you know, with things I learned down south in pro and just trying to, uh, you know, help, uh, help lead the blades and get some wins. What did you learn? What's, what's the big thing that you're taking away from your pro hockey experience that you're bringing back to Saskatoon? The biggest thing is just to take everything professionally. You know, you train like a pro, you eat like a pro, you need, you know, you sleep like a pro. So everything, it's essentially, you know, it's a job down there. You're getting, getting paid to do it. And uh, if you want this to be your profession, then you have to take it as seriously as it is. Your job with the Blades last year, in the second half of the season especially, was to be the guy that drove the offense. I mean, you and Kyle Krinkovic, Martin Fasco-Rudis, unfortunately won't be back, but you guys as the top line drove the offense for the Blades, and that's going to be more of the same as the ex- expectation this time around, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be uh, you know, a lot of excitement going into this, this little bubble, and um, that's yeah, exactly how I'm looking at it. It's just you know, day by day, and I'm extremely excited to get back playing with the boys and you know, playing, some, uh, playing some games. Let's go into your uh, professional debut, Robbie. Obviously, that's an exciting day that everyone remembers who has ever played professionally. Are there any fun stories from your first game in the AHL? Um, not my first game, but uh, there was one game. It was just exhibition. Um, it, was a, it was a warm-up scratch. I think this was exhibition game five, so I was out for a warm-up. And right before I was coming off, I ended up stepping on a puck and sliding right into the net. So it was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, I made Oops. sure to get off the ice quick after that. So when you made your debut, uh, did you do the rookie lap or any other like initiation sort of things that you had to do? Uh, there was actually six of us playing our first, oh, uh, wow. our first game. So they didn't make us do any laps. So we just went out as a team. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so how about your your level of preparation right now? Obviously, when you're 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 put through the grind of playing and training professionally, you must feel really prepared in some capacity. And I know it could be a little bit tricky to keep up where you're at physically right now, being in quarantine. But you must feel like you're playing at the top of your game to some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna, like you said, be a little bit tricky to stay in. Uh on ice shape, especially with, you know, no ice at my billet house here. So um, that's going to be a challenge, but I'm just really looking forward to uh, to getting back with this group and playing some games. And I, I do feel like, um, you know, that I've, I've been playing some really good hockey and I'm just excited to continue that with the Blades. Okay. You're in quarantine right now. Have you been in quarantine situations previous to this? Uh, yes, I've been in uh, four actually, but not, not the full 14 days. Yeah. I had two while I was down south with uh, um, with San Jose, uh, just a couple false positives. So you know, a couple of days of quarantine just to make sure nothing uh, uh-huh. nothing else popped up positive. And uh, then I had one back home in the summer, um, like so last summer now when there was a bit of a uh, a scare at uh, you know some friends that I that I knew locally back home. Okay, so. 
we spoke with Mitch Love a little while ago, and this was after he had been involved with Team Canada during the World Juniors, and he was talking about the number of days he had been quarantined, first before they got started with their with their selection camp, and then when they were forced to uh, be quarantined in the middle of the selection camp, and then quarantining again in Edmonton prior to the start of the World Juniors. And he said, you know, I'm an old hand at quarantining. You have that in common with him. I mean, this is this is no big deal to you. You're, you're, you know all about this quarantine stuff, right? Yeah, you know what? It's getting pretty uh, pretty familiar, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> have you picked up any quarantine hobbies from the last few months, Robbie? Uh, nothing really new. I didn't no. have my uh, my guitar down south. That's what uh, I was doing up here in Saskatoon when in my downtime. And then, you know, some video games, some Netflix. Uh, I, I love movies, so I watch a lot of movies when I'm not doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like right now, uh, you know, a lot of my day just consists of preparing my body for the season coming up. Mm. You don't binge watch any Netflix series? Uh, not recently. Okay. Um, I feel like that might be coming up soon because I do have another nine days here in the billet house. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> have you watched Suits? I haven't watched all of it, but yeah, I've uh, watched a little bit. Okay. Because uh, I'm into that right now and it's really good. It is a very good show. Yes, it is. I fell away from it after like season three or so. I got to get back into it. Oh, we're in we're in the middle of season three. Yeah. I wonder if Prince Harry knows about all the things that Meghan Markle did during the course of that uh, thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, that just that, that that was the first thing that my wife thought of while watching the series. <laughs> right. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Robbie, I think every player has a specific checklist on some of the things that they're going to be taking into the bubble in Regina. Anything unique or unfamiliar that some of the other players would never think of that you'll be taking? Um, I don't think maybe maybe unique, but uh, I just feel like not a lot of guys have it. Is I have a, a Theragun. I don't know if you guys know what a Theragun is. No, Theragun. It's uh, it's essentially just uh, well. I'll put it this way. It's like a power drill, but with a uh, foam ball on the end of it. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so it just, yeah, it's like a little massage gun. Uh, makes, makes you know, the body feel good wherever you're sore. kind of loosens up the muscles, gets the circulation going a little bit. So uh, nice. that's what I'm bringing. Cool. Hmm. Good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that just about does it. Les, you have any other questions? No, I'm good. I, yeah. I, I just, I'm just excited to get a chance to see number eleven on the ice again, yeah. scoring goals and setting up plays and winning games on behalf of the Blades. Absolutely, I'm excited. Good yeah. stuff. Well, thanks a lot for the time, Robbie. It doesn't sound like you're getting up to a whole lot, but <laughs> uh, you know the time is always uh, appreciated, and I'm sure we'll probably touch base here in the next couple of weeks or so before the puck is back on the ice. For sure, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Nice to hear Robbie is uh, doing well. He's obviously not up to a whole lot right now, but obviously uh, very exciting for him to have made his professional debut, and he'll be taking all of what he learned, not just in game preparation, but also in training and take that with him into Regina. Well, I'm curious to see because, as he says, he's a week from Saturday being able to get down to Regina. So that's March the 5th, March the 6th, I should say, assuming everything goes well testing-wise for the Blades. And all the teams, they're going to be able to be out the day before on the 5th and start practicing. So when he gets down there, does he have to do more quarantining or can he just jump onto the ice right away and start joining his teammates and get ready to start playing the weekend after? That's yeah. a question I have. It's a unique situation it ever? that Tristan is in right now. And I think there are some questions that will need to be answered there. But yep. um, I think, you know, as long as all systems are go and he has a couple of negative tests while he's down there, 
he should be able to link back in. Yep. Obviously not at the same time that uh, the rest of the team is able to continue and begin on-ice activity, but at some point, hopefully before the season actually begins. The next question I have is, okay, and I mentioned it in the course of the chat with him, is that, you know, he played last year with Kyle Krinkovic and Martin Fasco-Rudis. Well, I'm pretty sure he'll have Krink on his left side again, but who's going to be the right winger on that number one blades line yeah. when play starts on March the 12th? You start thinking about these types of things you do. now. You do. As, as you get excited for the start of a season. And, of course, here we are with uh, the Blades Uncut podcast talking about things like that. We're going to talk with Dave Struess shortly, but the Blades Uncut podcast is a presentation of Tint Center Saskatoon, Saskatoon's premier window film provider. You can uh, check them out at tintcenter.ca or give them a call at 306-683-3456. Let's move on. Mitch? Yeah, how about to the trivia question from yes. last week, okay? Because we do have a winner to announce, and this was not an easy question. We had to, you know, get the answer straight from the horse's mouth, you could say. Obviously, mm. Ryan Marsh was one of three guests on Blades Uncut last week. He had uh, a little bit of a beef to settle with another previous <laughs> guest on this Uncut podcast with Wyatt McLeod, a new addition to the Blades roster. Uh, you can listen to the episode. It's wonderful. Go back and forth stuff it's it, it's fun but um yep. yeah but anyways ryan marsh played his entire whl career with the tri-city americans he also played university hockey with the u of a golden bears yep wore the same number for both teams what right. was that number 19 number 19 yep number 19 and yeah it did take a little bit of digging to find this one oh. out but mervin rempel was successfully able to find the correct answer you is actually the only person to uh, correctly answer it as being 19. So, Mervyn, we will be in touch in the coming days and make sure that we can get your hands on a $20 gift card to the Frozen Pond. Did you get a bunch of people responding with a whole bunch of different numbers? Uh, a couple. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I had a couple <laughs> 18s in there, so uh, pretty goodness. close, but only counts in horseshoes and hands. Yep. Okay, well, I think it's just about time that we bring on, uh, you know, a look in behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. Let's take it away. Yes, our second guest on the Blades Uncut podcast, Mitch, is one of my all-time favorites. And one of the reasons why is because, well, the poor guy had to actually room with me on the road a few times <laughs> when he was an assistant coach with the Blades. And I got to know him actually before he became a coach with the Blades. He helped organize a Blades alumni golf tournament, a very well-done Blades alumni golf tournament. Mm-hmm. He found out that I can't play worth a lick. He's very good by comparison. <laughs> but this guy was a heck of a player. Like I t- said in the, in the intro, this guy's name is all over the top of the franchise records for goals, assists, points, games played. Yep. He was a great blade in the late 80s, early 90s, went on, played some professional in the American League, National Hockey League, mm-hmm. prof- uh, overseas in Europe, and then, of course, got into coaching when he came back to Saskatoon as an assistant coach, a head coach, moving on to Regina. He's now part of the Pats regime, the regiment, as they like to call themselves, but... Somewhere along the line, that logo with the Blades is still there, I'm sure, as I introduce and bring in Dave Struish to the Blades Uncut podcast. How are you today, Strushy? I'm doing good, Les, Mitch. Thanks very much for having me, you guys. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting times right now for us in Saskatchewan, in, in Eastern Division, to be playing again, getting the players here on the weekend. Um, you know what? It's, uh, it's a long time coming. Who knows how, how it's going to go? But, uh, geez, Les, that's quite a list of things there that you mentioned about my, uh, my career. You know, the, but it's uh, all the truth, though. That's the thing. You, you know what? An old teammate of mine sent me a picture last night. So you guys must have sent something out yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Um, a picture and, and a player by the name of Darren Bader. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for those Blade fans, I, I'm sure you know who he is. Back when I came in as a rookie, he had played a year already. And before I became a Blade, Darren and I played minor hockey against each other in all the tournaments um, for three, four, five years. And uh, we became very close. And he sent me that picture last night. It was really fun to look at, and it was it brings back a lot of memories for sure. Okay, so let's talk about right now. Your significant other, Andrew, or your kids, you're in self-isolation. What does that mean? Can you even see those people? <laughs> I have seen them at the top of the stairs. Um, <laughs> on the weekend when we went into isolation, so we went in on Friday night at midnight, Saturday, uh, they had activities all day. They can go, still go and do their activities in, in the, the small cohorts Saturday, Sunday. So it was nice for them to be out of the house because when they're in the house, it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and then during this week, and they're all four of them are at school. Andrew's a school teacher. So uh, during the day, I can move around the house. I get to go outside, everything like that. So my life is pretty normal then. But having them at home in the evening is the difficult part. Yeah. Um, just because I know they're up there having a conversation with them. Um, uh, you know, we, they sit at the top, I see them and we talk, everything like that. So it's, it is, it's, it, it is really, really hard, but the fact that I get to communicate with them and see them, uh, is, is good. And as much as you want your kids and family at home, it's nice when they're not at home because it's, it, uh, it becomes a little bit easier to, to, uh, to go through what we're going through. And it's the same for all of the, our staff. Um, and, and, but it is a, it's a big sacrifice uh, for yeah. what we're going to get into here starting uh, this Saturday when we move into the dorms for the second stage of this two-week isolation. Yeah, everything is, is happening really quickly. It just seems lightning. All of a sudden, you know, last week it was just a little over three weeks to go. Now we're, you know, just a little over two weeks. You know, and as challenging as it is in the evenings, Dave, uh, can you kind of take your mind off of the isolation and sink your teeth into preparing for this season? Is that one of the ways that you try to bring some normalcy into what you're going through right now? Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. we just talked about it. I've been watching some some of our hockey video that we're going to be, that we've been presenting daily at 3 o'clock uh, with our players on, on Zooms. So that's that's a big part of it. I think, well, I'll not think I know. Up until yesterday when we, we started this hub idea a few weeks ago, um, when it was confirmed a couple of weeks ago, the administrative side of it, all the logistics has been not difficult, but time consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, I can think back to, unless you were a part of this. So we go back to the, uh, I go back to the Memorial cup when I played, I never saw everything that went behind the scenes because I was just a player. But when we hosted in Saskatoon, I think it took us two years to, um, to prepare and, and, and and put together that Memorial Cup. It took us 18 months here in Regina, so it is a it is a big undertaking. And, and you you think of all the things that have to be put into place. Well, the best way to look at this one is uh, I think I mentioned it to somebody the other day. This two month hub is uh, the Memorial Cup on steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the behind the scenes stuff uh, that has to happen and. Uh, there's been so many people that have been instrumental in the organizing of it. So we need to get, well, we need to get to this Saturday and we need the players all to get into the dorms on Saturday, get tested Sunday, get cleared by Monday so that we can get tested again on Thursday 
so that we can go on the ice Friday or Saturday, yeah. depending on how the uh, results go. So the, it is a big, big undertaking. Um, that has been a big part of my last two weeks uh, because we have uh, our cohort. We we're going to be living in there for that, whatever, 55, 60 days. Uh, we're hands-on in there, so we have to be a big part of that uh, that preparation. How long of a checklist do you have in terms of uh, what you're going to be bringing? You know, you're going to be in there for months, Dave. Yeah, well, uh, Stacy Cattell uh, with the Pats here and actually Curtis Hunt with the, the Raiders, they've both been, been big leaders in the, the this undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the trickle-down effect and, and working with the WHL, um, Kevin Mench, uh, with the Western Hockey League uh, officials, those guys have all been big, big leaders in it. So we as coaches uh, of the seven teams have been direct contact with them because we're the ones that are going to be inside. We have now created the list. We've been a part of that organizing uh, with the bubble underneath us. But at some point, we have to take on the hockey side with the players and, and prepare them. So we all have one person that's in the cohort that's going to be the uh, the uh, the contact person for the outside world. Mm-hmm. And with the way that the health authorities have asked us and how they want us to do things, that person will, uh, will be... Uh, a big part of what happens once we get in there. So once that, that list has been done, handed off to, uh, to Landon, mm-hmm. and now we focus on the hockey side and, and, and get these players in and ready and do whatever we can with what we've got before we get onto the ice. Okay. Let's touch on hockey side, Dave. Uh, we know everybody's excited to get in players, coaches, staff, whatever the case may be. Everybody's excited for the March 12th start. The approach to the season, do you as a head coach of the Regina Pats have a slogan or a mantra for the group going into this? Because it's only 24 games and who knows if there's going to be any playoffs or anything like that. So the motivation, the ability to put something forth that gets the guys charged up and ready to go, what is it? Well, we haven't really got one. We know that it, that we've all, one of the biggest reasons that the WHL is committed to doing this is for the development of our young guys. Um for us here in Regina, we are in the third year of this this rebuild. It's time for us to take a, a, a bigger step than we have in the past couple of years. We are bringing in a lot of young guys. And uh, so you can look at it twofold. The one side of developing the young guys is, you know, the practicing opportunities to play, um, failing, experiencing, going through mistakes, Um the WHL has always been a, a difficult league to play in because of the travel and the length of time on the bus and then practicing when you get off the bus and all of that stuff, all the aspects of, around the league um, are, have been instrumental in developing great players, yeah. you, you know, in pro hockey. So this is, this is not a whole bunch of travel, but what we're going to do as a group um, in regards to how these players, these young adults are going to live is a new experience. We're going to have different routines every day because of practices, game times, how we're going to rotate seven teams through meals and all this stuff, all within this thing called COVID. (laughs) So we can look at it as development of of these young adults and the development of them as hockey players. But we got to keep in mind, we have to develop the organization. And one of the best ways to develop 
all of us is to win hockey games. So mm-hmm. as much as we talk about, you know, developing and, and, and all of that, when you win hockey games from experiencing all these little failures and, and, and making mistakes and learning from them, you get the little successes, little victories, and then you win hockey games. And I think that that becomes, and you know, just talking out loud while, while we're having this conversation, not really, I guess it could be the best way to look at a slogan for what we're going to get into because we, we, we need to take a step here this year in Regina. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we're going to have young guys just like all the teams. Um, but there is a, a fine line between the, the, the development, the players learning from their experiences and then winning hockey games, that competitive edge, the intensity, um, is uh, is going to be important to us as well. Dave, I want to talk about two newcomers to the Regina Pats for this 24-game season that I'm excited to see. Uh, one is an older guy that you got from Seattle in goaltender Roddy Ross and what he's going to bring for the Pats. And then the obvious one is the guy that received exceptional status from Hockey Canada to play as an underage, as a 15-year-old and I guess he's 16 now, but Connor Bedard, and with him, let's start with him. I mean, is, is he everything that you that people are led to believe he is just based on what you've seen of him? Just having a conversation with him less is, is something else. He's uh, he's a very mature, he just turned 15, actually. Okay. So, um, well, that's right, too it, late it, birthday. It, mm-hmm. It's something. He is a, he is a real um, mature young man at a young age. So that that is in itself is before he even gets on the ice. We should all be excited. I take myself out of the coaching uh, position. I'm a big hockey fan. I have a lot of passion for the game itself. So I'm excited about uh, watching him. When you think of the players that are that are playing in the NHL, I, I mean, Connor McDavid right now is lights out. I mean, he is a real treat to watch play right now. Yeah. We're not going to compare Connor to any of those guys, but the route that they took is going to be, I mean, this is the start of the, of his, of his career. So uh, that's an exciting part and, and getting on the ice. We, we had a good, really good chance to watch him play in Sweden with the under 20 team, four times the under 18 team with HP 71. That was, that made things a little more clear at where he could be with older guys. I mean, that's an older league than ours. I mean, the under-20 doesn't have the 16 and 17s in it. We do. We're going to have a lot of those guys. So those are his closest thing to his peers. And he was playing at the high level, and he played really, really good hockey. His vision, his IQ, um, and his skill, those are things that were, were, uh, were fun to watch, mm-hmm. you know, from afar. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes here with us. I don't think there's going to be a, a real big... Um, you know, you always talk, it takes these young guys, you know, two, three months to get into it with the other teams, having young players, he's going to get a good chance to play against, um, the old guys and the young guys. And we've made it very clear the way that I work as a coach personally, uh, I want you to make mistakes. I want you to have, uh, I want you to have bad nights, Mm -hmm. those little failures and, and I think the important part is to guide them and show them the better way to do things um, so that they learn from them because the success is for these young kids, and especially with Connor being uh, uh, as young as he is, those are, uh, are going to be 
things that he he has to go through. So we should all be excited for it. Mm-hmm. Touch on Roddy Ross. Well, we we got him for a reason. I think it's important that you have a a, a good backstopper that that uh, works really really hard. Um, uh, actually, a former uh, Blade and Ian Gordon was his goalie coach in Seattle. So, um, and I played with Gordo in uh, in St. John. So um, his his uh, report on him is through the roof. Uh, we're, he's going to give us an opportunity when we do have bad nights. We, we work hard. I think there's no question. Our team is is a relentless working team. So, uh, but because of our youth, we, we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to need somebody to, to to bail us out a lot. And there's a reason we got Roddy, and that's what uh, that's what we can be excited about there too. Dave, let's go back into uh, the mid to late '80s. Uh, that's obviously it was it was a extremely high time for blades hockey, junior hockey as a whole. Um, it was extremely, obviously, very popular here in Saskatoon. Just judging from some of the stories of some of the alumni that we've <laughs> we've chatted with before, um, you yourself, how did your career here with uh, in Saskatoon begin? It was well. I moved from Flint Flon. I went from Flint Flon to Selkirk, Manitoba. My dad was a miner. Uh, he got out of the mine at uh, the in Flint Flon. Started getting into sales of heavy equipment. We went through. Through Caterpillar to Selkirk and then into Saskatoon, I played, uh, I started, geez, I'm trying to think when I, I think I was 12 years old when I moved to 12 or 13, played minor hockey, zone H flyers, and then uh, went through the Blazer program um, yeah. and then into the Blades. Uh, Luby, Marcel Como, um, we transferred into uh Terry Raskowski, Bob Hoffmeyer, and Lorne Mulliken. And throughout my career, uh, obviously the Memorial Cup, my first year as a rookie. Uh, Scott Sissons, Rob Lawlisher, Shane Longauger, we were the rookies back then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, incredible experience. Incredible experience with the Blazers. Um, Joe Blosky and, and Kenny Johnson. Uh, just people that I, I owe a lot to because I got an opportunity. I, I went through some difficult times with knees, my knees and stuff like that, but I was so fortunate to be given second and third chances when I, uh, when I got, uh, got healthy. And those guys between the Blazers and the Blades were instrumental in, uh, in uh, allowing me, giving me a chance to get drafted to Calgary. And you know what? I, I, I was a career minor leaguer, but I played 15 15 years and I find myself very fortunate to have no matter how many games I played, how many injuries I had to play as long as I did. Mm -hmm. David, you mentioned some of the young guys you came up with, with the blades. Who were some of the guys that you kind of looked up to when you first joined the blades that were the standouts on that team that you kind of glommed onto and tried to learn off of? Well, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't the learning less as much as it was watching how they worked. Mm-hmm. We never had, and, and I, I, to this day, I, I don't know. I look at those my four years in Saskatoon, and I look at the best teams in hockey right now and the skill level. And this, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. I'll mention their names right away, but I can't take anything away from them. But the best players in hockey right now are all high-end, speed, high-end skill guys. Mm-hmm. My, my first years... I, I can say with the Blazers, 
I played with Kevin Kaminsky, Curtis LeCision. Um, these are guys that I was with in Saskatoon that, that, that people know from there. Um, <laughs> the Blades, our Memorial Cup year, we had Kevin, Corey Kosher, uh, Kenny Sutton. Um, there was Scott, Rob, Shane, uh, myself. When we got to the end of the year, our, our, we, were, we were supposed to get Tim Shevelday and Curtis LeCision back that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Christie, mm-hmm. Jason Smart. Like, these are names that, that were all uh, just working guys. Like, the, the intensity, the grit that we had on our team, um, that's how we won. Teams can win games right now with skill. They can have, they can have high-end guys that, that don't work as hard as these players that I looked up to uh, did back then. I think of before that when I was playing with the Blazers. I mean, there was Wendell and, and Kelly Chase. Uh, yeah. You know, you can even you can go before that, uh, Mc, Duncan McPherson. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all guys that when I moved to Saskatoon, those are the guys that played for the Blades. When Mike burled into the to my rookie year, Memorial Cup year, we were just a hardworking group. We hosted Memorial Cup. We lost to a really good team in Swift Current in the playoffs. But we showed very well that year in the Memorial Cup with a bunch of, you know, workers. And mm-hmm. then I can roll right through my four years with the Blades. And uh, I played with uh, Derek Tibbetts on my line for a couple of years, which... Uh, and Mark Franks, I find those guys both instrumental into the reason I got drafted because we were together for so long. And when you find chemistry like that, it's, it becomes pretty special. My 20 year old year, I come back and one of my best friends that I grew up playing with there, Rob Lollisher, he gets traded. I come in and uh, he wins a Memorial Cup in, in Kamloops. But <laughs> we played them in the finals that year. Lorne Mulliken yep. was, was our coach. And I go from that first year of a whole bunch of workers just average hockey players to my fourth year that we went to the finals and lost to Kamloops. And I, we were the same group of guys, just a group of competitive young men that wanted to win every night. We probably did a little too much off the ice um, <laughs> over the course of time that got us in trouble with Lorne. But um, when we came to the rink every day, it was about working. Um, mm-hmm. and the guys that we had were just Sean Yakimishin, <laughs> um, Buchanan, like these are guys that just worked. And along the way, we had the teammates that you wanted. Cam Moon, less, you know, Cam, mm-hmm. we've, had po- that, we've had him on the podcast a couple of oh, times. Dressing yeah. room guys that just, I mean, it was so, I mean, you guys have Tristan Robbins there, Trevor Robbins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are guys that, uh, that bring their, they're the glue guys that, that, uh, that we, we played with and went to the finals that year. So I've been, I was very fortunate in my days in Saskatoon to have played with a whole bunch of really good teammates that worked incredibly hard to win hockey games. And, uh, but, and back then too, it was old school. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, you work hard off the ice and you work hard on the ice. And, and we had, uh, um, and like I said, I've always said it with Lauren, it's, uh, He's a special man that gave us all an opportunity, and uh, 
learn a lot from him. Maybe chat a little bit more about your relationship with Lorne. You've obviously known him for a very long time, but back, I mean, in the early 90s, when you first <laughs> become accustomed to him, like, he, he's an intimidating guy. It doesn't matter what era you meet him oh. in. Back then, what was your impression of him? We were, well, we were scared, for sure. <laughs> but, but I tell you what, I, I, and I've said it, everybody knows when I talk about who I played for and stuff, easily, he's the first name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And I played for some really good coaches that are good people and they really care. Lauren cared about us. He demanded a lot of us, which was the work ethic, the competitiveness, the intensity. And uh, really, I mean, I, I, that's how I coach now like i mean it i've evolved as a person and as a coach because of the way the game plays but the the demands that i have for work ethic are the what what he had for us um he knew that we were going out and partying and having fun (laughs) we were we were that group of guys um but when we got came back when we came to the rink it was intensity compete and work hard, and we owe it to him. That's why we went to the finals. There's no, you can ask every guy, and every guy would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's chat a little bit more about that playoff run in 1992. Like you mentioned, <laughs> you know, like, you know, a band of brothers back in 88, 89, you and a couple of rookies, all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you build your way to the point where you're one of the best teams in the league. What stands out the most about that playoff run for you, Dave? Just, just the players. Yeah. Just the care, the, the work ethic, the, uh, well, the teams that we beat. Yeah. Like the PA. Who else did we beat? PA, Lethbridge, our PA and and Kamloops. Yeah. Lester, me... you can t- was not was Lethbridge in there? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, like and PA and Kamloops were both at the top of the food chain in Canada. Yeah. So the and we did it. We 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 they were good, like, and, and we had some big scores. I think we we might have beat PA ten three one game, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was purely on work ethic and competitiveness and a year of Lauren digging into us and pushing us, and that's that's what it was. And the players. Um, to this day, like uh, Glenn Gullitson was our captain and he was, uh, he was that, that's what, that was his makeup. Wow. So, um, Shane Calder, Sean Yakimish and Ryan, like these are guys that just, they were good hockey players, but they were better workers. And geez, we used to get, (laughs) this is, this is a tough one on Sean. I mean, Yak was underage, so we'd go out and we'd, enjoy a night at the bar but Lauren would make sure that nobody underage was allowed to go out with us so um myself gully and, and buchanan we'd head out and we wouldn't tell yak because we didn't want to get into trouble the next day from Lauren. <laughs> somehow yak found his way into the texas tea or something where we were <laughs> underage we come in the next day we're getting bagged because yak found us well that happened all the time. We never would, we wouldn't call him, not because we didn't want to be with him, because he was a riot. He just found his way, and then Lauren would find out, and, and the rest is history. We'd bucks her away, and we're getting begged. But 
but uh, it, it was uh, it was those things that that uh, made it a special year. Mm-hmm. Dave, what do you remember about being drafted by the Calgary Flames in 1991? Well, I just scored. I think I had 40 goals that year. And when I got drafted, but it was exciting. Obviously it was, it was, you know, obviously we all dream of it. And, uh, when I had my, you know, we have the conversation and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and when I had my first meeting with them in the NHL, it's about role players. Like it's not, I mean, you score 40, you're not necessarily going to score 40 in the NHL. There's no question about that. So they made it very clear that I was going to become a third-line checking forward. I'm going to take face-offs, big face-offs. They want to develop me into a penalty killer um, checking guy, be able to play against the other team's top, top lines in that role. And I look back, and I never did say this to, to uh, Doug Rice, Brown, Al Coates, but I've always joked about it, and I look at my stats, and I see 40 goals, and I've always wanted to go back and show Rice, Brown, and Al Coates, say, you're asking me to be a checker, and you're going to be happy if I score five goals, but I just scored 40, and you're telling me that I'm just going to kill penalties. <laughs> I'm not going to play on the power play. <laughs> so I always, I always remember that. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, when I played pro and even when I went over to Europe, I was very fortunate when I played in Europe that there were still a lot of imports. So I didn't have to uh, produce a whole bunch of points, but I took so much pride in playing uh, a 200 foot game uh, learning how to play the right way, uh, you know, listen and learn it. And, and uh, it was easy for me to work hard and compete and, and be intense because of the coaches I had with the, through the Blazers and the Blades. Mm-hmm. So the next level of playing was, uh, was to uh, play 200 feet. And I took so much pride in that, uh, playing both sides of the puck. And, and I think that that's, I mean, I got to play a lot of, a lot of years of hockey uh, because of it. Yeah, you have a long professional career, like we've already touched on. It's impressive to see the the different countries and the nations that you you played for. You did get a a, a, a short taste in the NHL with Calgary in <laughs> that checking type of penalty killing role. Four games. How do you remember those four games quite oh, well, yeah. Dave? Yeah. Yeah, clear as day. Yeah, clear as day. My first game was in uh, was against the Rangers. And uh, I had been called up a couple times before that for different times, but never got into a game. Um, just a taste, little mm-hmm. teasers. Right. But when I got called up, it was in. Uh, it was from St. John. It was in New York playing the Rangers. I came in the night before the uh, the Flames did, and Wes Walls and I um, were in. We flew in. We went straight to Madison Square Garden to drop our gear off. This was our itinerary. This was our plan. Mm-hmm. And I had absolutely no idea that the ice level in Madison Square Garden was on the fifth floor. That's right. <laughs> so that it was just the start of, I mean, obviously, and I knew I was playing. They, they, they were so banged up in Calgary. 
we had already had a number of guys called up from St. John Flames. So mm-hmm. I was I was coming in to play my first NHL game. So Wes and I go, we walk into, we take the elevator up, we go in, we drop our gear off, we come out, and that just so happened that night that the, the New York Knicks, Patrick Ewing, were playing the Orlando Magic with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. And I... New experience. We were in Salt Lake before that with the Salt Lake Golden Eagles before we moved to St. John. And I had been to a lot of Utah Jazz basketball games. So that was, I had experienced what it was like. But I never, I was never up close to these guys. Mm-hmm. And Wes and I walked out of the dressing room after dropping our gear off. And I, I walked ahead and, and Wes was behind me. And he bumps into this big massive human being and it was Shaq <laughs> no way. it was incredible he was up to his belly button and Wallsy <laughs> West wasn't very big guy but he's up to it just just above his belly button in height and he's standing there and he's Shaq's three times the size of him width and height and then all of a sudden all of the players are out there so it was it was a great experience there we came back to the game that night and then uh, the following night, played the first game. I played the uh, Rangers, Islanders, and Nassau Coliseum. So two remarkable historic facilities, arenas, um, and Pittsburgh. And then back home to play the Nordiques at home before coming back to uh, mm-hmm. to St. John. And then I got a little taste of the playoff action that year. When Pat Valbury scored in Game Seven in overtime, and that was the end of my uh, my NHL uh, experience. The next year, next full year and a half, I didn't play hockey. I blew my knee out down in St. John in mm. the playoffs that year, and I didn't play again for 16 months. Wow! I went from prospect to suspect to uh, to uh, Hockey Canada, and then overseas. Overseas, yeah. Okay, so I was looking at yeah. the the countries that you played for you know the list kind of goes on there's there's Austria, yeah, yeah. italy yeah. a bunch of different teams in england you wrap it all up with germany what stands out the most when you look back on the the tour through europe that you were on well the, the, i was like i said i was fortunate that when i played there was lots of imports so that was good yeah um the really nervous the first time i went over i went to a place called graz austria um it mm-hmm. was beautiful the mountains are there i mean it's it's a different world um the fans don't really know the game but they are there and it's always full um they love their hockey they love their players uh it's a full party in the stands for them and uh because of the the amount of imports the hockey was good it was like playing Mm -hmm. in not the level of the old ihl um, the old IHL and the American League were a little bit different. It was the IHL were older guys that had played pro. The American League was younger, to, uh, more the prospects. But there was a level of pro guys and former NHL guys that played over there that made the leagues really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I loved it. Uh, that got me from that year over to a place called Cortina Dempezo, mm-hmm. which was probably my favorite place. Um, uh, team moved from there to Milan, and mm-hmm. and then from there into England, and then Germany. And of all of them, Cortina was probably my favorite. Nottingham, my second favorite. Uh, 
Um, every year that I played, uh, I loved the hockey, great teammates, different nationalities of, of players, a lot of good close friends and families. I was by myself. I didn't have Andrea or any kids, um, which is probably when I look back right now, it would have been so wonderful to have them go through that experience um, because of because I saw other families go through it. Every year that I played, I stayed for another two or three, four weeks, and I always went back to Cortina. Mm-hmm. Um, to I had some good close friends there, um, or or Nottingham, because I got to be close with some people outside of the game there, and then. Uh, finished in Germany, came back and met Andrea within the first month I came back, talked to Lauren shortly after that. And I got into the organization and started to do some alumni stuff with the blades. And that got me into uh, coaching the following year. Now, how did that that come to be? Because I remember I was saying off the top, Dave, okay, you organize the alumni golf tournament. It's wildly successful. You have a great time. And then all of a sudden it seems like within a couple of days, it wasn't, I know, but it was, seemed like just the next day almost. You're, suddenly, you're an assistant coach with the team. How'd that come about? Chad took a job in. I think he went. To, I think he went straight to Bonnyville, didn't he? Left? That's right, Chad Mercier. Yeah. Yeah. So he then then it was there was an opening. So the alumni stuff was a Dave Charche uh, had thought about doing it, um, and it was just something we were going to give back to the city as alumni, you know, like just raise money, and it was a. If we started the golf tournament. It was a couple of years before the big time golf tournaments were, uh, I mean, there was, there was some like Jared Stoles and that yeah. kind of stuff came in. They were raising a hundred grand. Yeah. So when we started out making 50, 60, we thought that was, we thought that was great. Yeah. Um, but it was something, it was, it was a start to when all of that stuff was, was taking off. And when we, when we started it, there was no real plan of what else we would do, but we started to branch off to different things. And we, we, uh, Jack Brodsky was the owner. We brought up some things that we could do through the team. And that got me around the office a little bit more. And, and Lauren knew that I had done a lot of stuff coaching. And, uh, when I was finishing, I was a player assistant coach two years and a player head coach once in Europe, one year in Europe. So I had experienced it, um, I had prepared to coach when I was done playing throughout my years of, of, of playing. And uh, Chad moved on. There was an opening. Uh, he hired Rob Tremblay and myself as a second assistant. The next year, I became his, uh, his lead guy. And the uh, rest is history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got, can- got canned in my seventh, after my seventh year. Yep. And then uh, I was thought I was finished and then got an opportunity with the ownership group here and John Paddock and uh, very fortunate to get to work with two men of the same mold of character, personality with both Lauren and John, unless you know John. Really yeah, well. Oh yeah. I know it's, John. Well. Uh, I've been, I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. So, I think back and uh, I, my, uh, my father died young. Yes. So I got to work with two gentlemen that, you know, were a figure of that, I guess you could say along the way. Yeah. Okay. 
From your time as an assistant coach with the Blades, there's two stories that I love to tell, and I need you to chime in with your version of them. One, I know that you're... Is it during hockey or is it... No, it's during during hockey. It's during hockey. I can't talk about any of that other stuff. (laughs) Because we'd be here all night if we started talking about that stuff. Well, let me guess one of them first. Okay. I'm going to guess, is one of them possibly against Red Deer? No, it's not. No, I'm not even going to talk about that. That 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 has nothing to do with it. I, I'm th- kind of curious. That, that's now. another one, but that's that's number three on the list. Number one on the list for me, and one of the things I love about you, Dave, is you're emotional. You wear your emotions on your sleeve. You wear your heart in your sleeve. 2009, it's been since 94, since the Blades had finished first in the East Division. And you go into Prince Albert on a Friday night needing to get at least one point to clinch first place in the 2009 season. And it doesn't look like you're going to get it that night, but with six seconds left, Stefan Elliott scores, and you tie the game for us overtime, and you clinch first place. When I see the goal score, and then I look to the bench, there's you and Lauren hugging and jumping up and down together. I mean, that was, that was a moment for me that I thought to myself, these guys are into it even more than the players because they understand what the history of all this is. What do you remember about that? Well, you know, you know what, Les, with, with Lorne, he is, we, well, I can only say, you know, me, you know, the passion I have, the energy I have, I still try to keep up with the players in practice. Um, I'll hack and whack and I'll do things that I shouldn't do. (laughs) I know that. So we're in the game. Like we are, you've heard me on the bench. Oh yeah. Like like Mark Habscheid called me last week. He said, this is so great that we have to wear masks on the bench so it can keep my mouth shut. So <laughs> it is, I said to him, I can't believe it took him two weeks to, to call me on it. But that, that's why for me with those things in the game, it'll happen to me in game one. Mm-hmm. The emotion, the intensity, the, the, that side of the game, we, we had. And... And Lauren was, he was that guy. I mean, he, he was an intense man. <laughs> like, there's no question. So when he, and he was proud. He was happy when guys did well um, because he felt like he was a part of it. So I think there's a connection that that we had to the players. Um, Stefan Elliott was a big time trade. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, Lauren was instrumental in that. So those are things that, that uh, you know, when you win like that and you go through um, what Lauren and I went through as a player and a coach, there were the same things that happened that year against uh, that year that we went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We went through a lot of overtime games. <laughs> like yeah. there was a lot of that stuff that happened with Lauren and I as player coach. So when we get this opportunity as coaches, to, it, it, it just seemed to be natural. And it's, uh, again, that becomes a, uh, you know, those are special moments for sure. And then the other story is before that, a year before. And a big buzzword in hockey nowadays, Dave, and you use it, I, pretty much every coach uses it talking about their team, is the culture of the team. And in the course of a couple of non-playoff seasons, the Blades had some trouble with culture. It, it was tough to get the kids to be focused in because there was a lot of rebuilding and a lot of 
setbacks, let's put it that way. But I do remember one specific morning in a hotel in Edmonton, prior to a game against the Oil Kings, we had breakfast. And Colton Gillies was the captain, and he told, okay, all you adults, once you're done eating, get out of here. We're having a players-only <laughs> meeting. <laughs> and that players-only meeting, which was after the trade deadline that year, it was in January, late January, yeah. uh, to me that that players' meeting was a turnaround in the culture of the Saskatoon Blades initiated by Colton Gillies. Am I totally off base on that or no? No, you're right. And that's the, that, that becomes an important part of a lesson for everybody because in the end, the players have control of that stuff. And leadership was a big part of it. And, and Colton was, he was a re- remarkable human being too. Like there was, I mean, it, it was really, I find myself fortunate to been, have been able to work with a lot of players over, over my 15 years. And he was one of them. Yeah. Well, I think that just about does it for, for me, Les. Do you have anything? Well, you, hold on a second. Dave, you <laughs> mentioned something about a story involving red deer. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you guys need to have Lauren on for this. Yeah, one. that's that's the guy that has to be on <laughs> okay. for that story. No, because no, because this one, this one, that one happened in the playoffs. Yes, and Lauren got suspended for the next four. Yep, <laughs> and I had been, I had been on the bench by myself a couple times, I think. Yep, for whatever reasons, but this was in playoffs. We were two games in. Les, you got to re- remind me. We were two games in. We had game three and four yet to go. In Red Deer. Um, in Red Deer. And I, I was going to be by myself. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then we had to play. So we did that. We we, we beat Red Deer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lauren was sitting in the bus outside the rink because he wasn't allowed inside. And then we played Brandon the first two. Lost, came back, and lost in game six, I think it was. That's right, yep. But we we played, and uh, I forget who it was that ran our goalie. Um, Josh Cowan. Tegan Zahn. It, the referees got in, and Tegan should have been allowed to have his way. There would have been nothing. I remember that yeah, part, clear yep, as day. Yep. But they got in, broke up the, the, the scrum, and Lauren went old school and said to the referees, you guys didn't take care of it, so we are. <laughs> and the rest is history. That's right, and the rest, the rest is history, history yes. It took yeah. about 10 minutes for them to drop the puck because we, right. the refs threw out a couple of guys before they, we even got to the face-off dot. Yeah, wow. Exactly. <laughs> it was incredible. That's all I'll say about that for right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I don't know if there's video of it anywhere. Oh, yeah, there is. I'll be looking. I've okay. seen it. I've seen it. Okay, well, <laughs> need to track that down. <laughs> Dave, this has been great. You know, yeah. um, I know you're you're busy right now preparing for this 24 game regular season, not just from a hockey perspective, but like you say, there's a lot of details, fine tuned details you need to take care of. So for you to spend the time with Les and I here, look back on some of your glory days with the Blades, and also share a little bit of a fly on the wall approach into what you're doing right now. Can't can't thank you enough. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Rumi, we've got a few more of these little pregame show hits to do before uh, before games with the Blades and the Pats play during this upcoming hub. I'm looking forward to that. I look forward to talking with you then, and I'll see a bunch of games 
all the best to you and the Pats in the hub. Thanks, Lester. Mitch, thanks very much, Take guys. Care. Lester, we'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks, bud. Yep, for sure. Okay, great. All right, bye-bye. Yep, bye. Yeah, Dave Struish, uh, I mean, I, I can hardly wait to – I mean, I, the thing is, is that with no fans in the stands and not much other noise, if you're watching a Pats game during the course of this hub, you'll be able to hear Dave Struish. If he's not yeah. whistling or yelling or whatever, <laughs> I, I, and he'll be hoarse probably before the end of the first period of the first game, and his voice will be screwed for the rest of the tournament, but that won't stop him. Mm-hmm. You'll still be able to hear him. That's just the way Dave is. He's very intense, very much into it, and it'll be a lot of fun to see him on the bench with the Pats. Of course, a former Blades player and coach, um, and it's going to be huge when this when this hub gets started on March mm-hmm. the 12th. You know, and that's another component to these broadcasts, whether you're listening on WHL Live or listening to the radio, both of which will be through a radio stream of some kind. Yes. But with no fans in attendance, the audio from down closer to the ice, on the bench, on the ice, is going to be that much more uh, prevalent. So it's... Um, going to be interesting. You'll definitely hear a, a clear version of Dave Struish when he gets fired up. Yeah, we tend to, at least I do, and I, a lot of the guys do it, uh, they'll drop a, a crowd bike over the edge of mm-hmm. the booth and drop it down, hang there, and you pick up some ambient noise. Usually it's crowd noise, but this time it could be a lot of on-ice noise, which I think will be really cool. I might have to crank up the gain on that in order might to make sure to. we get some some good audio out of that. And Panky's <laughs> laughing because he's thinking about the about the swearing that's going to yeah. go happen. You know what? You'd be surprised. You won't hear a lot of that, I don't think. You'll hear a lot of skates, and you'll hear a lot of sticks and pucks and skates, boards and puck. all the rest of that. Yeah. Uh, you you no. might, yeah, no, I don't think you're going to hear You'll a lot hear of that. You'll hear the it. odd... Uh, you know, the odd... We'll be riding the levels. Yeah. Sitting there making sure that nothing happens. <laughs> I'm just happens. thinking about Cochran Kovic's, you know, chirps every now and then. It's oh, just yeah. how hilarious yeah. they that could be, be fun. sometimes. So that could be fun. So we could almost get a sponsor on that. Kovic's take of the game or chirp of the game. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe, the maybe it can be for Save On Foods. <laughs> Let Save On Foods do the shopping for you. Shop online today at saveonfoods.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how about the trivia question from this week now? Yes. Okay, so Dave Struish, a tremendous conversation with him. He, of course, took over from Lauren Mollican as head coach in 2013. One of his head coaching duties, of course, was to name a new captain mm. for the Saskatoon Blades. Who was the captain that Dave Struish gave the C ahead of the 2013-14 season? Think of the Memorial Cup roster from the year before when the Blades hosted the Memorial Cup in 2013. One of those returnees is the captain. That's the only hint. The only I'll hint give you. Lester is going to be giving you. All right. Yeah. This is a guy we've mentioned him on the podcast a couple of times too. Mm-hmm. As an obvious, he's never been a guest because that no. would have been a golden hint. That's the other hint, I guess, is that okay. he was never. He hasn't been on this. He hasn't been on the podcast. Time. Okay. No. If you know the answer, head to SaskatoonBlades.com. Find the Blades Uncut podcast located in the interactive tab. Fill out the form, or you can also shoot us an email at info at saskatoonblades.com or drop us a line in Facebook or Twitter. He'd be interesting to have on as a guest. Talk softly, carry the big stick. That would be him. Okay. Okay. That That would be another hint there. Lester. But that's uh, the question. Who was the Blades captain in 2013-14? The captain that Dave Struish gave the C. Saskatoonblades.com. Find the interactive tab and click on Blades Uncut. Fill out the form. Facebook, Twitter, info at saskatoonblades.com. Numerous ways to submit your answer. Good luck. You could be the rightful owner of a $20 gift card to the Frozen Pond. We've been doing this podcast, number 30, Blades Uncut podcast, the presentation of Great Western Brewing Company with a pall 
hanging over Mitch Bach. I mean, he can barely talk about this, and yet you're going to have to. Yeah. Because one of the things that's happened now in the world of sports, just in case you've been living in a hole somewhere or been in quarantine yourself for isolation, Tiger Woods, his situation, multiple leg fractures in his right leg, shattered ankle, surgery, uh, had to be extracted from his vehicle following a single vehicle rollover accident in Southern California on Tuesday morning. The surgery believed to be successful. So Tiger Woods is in pretty bad shape and not going to be playing golf for a little while as a result of this. Well, my emotions have subsided a little oh, good. bit okay. since yesterday. Yeah, well, thankfully. you've been able to get through the through this uh, episode, so that's good. Well, when you're dealing with Tristan Robinson, Dave Struish, both quality gentlemen, yes. you can help get your mind off of things yep. for sure. And, mm-hmm. um, but no, um, when the news came out yesterday... Um, you just wonder what's going on, you know, and it's 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 difficult because the world seems to stop when something bad happens to Tiger Woods. Or to any big celebrity. I mean, the world, I mean, when you think back, you may not remember this, but I do, when Princess Diana mm-hmm. uh, is killed in, you know, in the accident that she was involved in in France. Yeah. The world stopped. 911, the world stopped. Those sorts of incidents are the kind of things that, you know, make you, whoa, and run to your nearest TV, radio, now computer screen, and start checking things out. And that's yeah. what you were doing yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. No, it was uh, Tyler Warwick, obviously, director of business office for the Blades, calls into my office and, Mitch, what? Tiger Woods, no. And my first thought, when you hear there's a big story about Tiger Woods, and it's and you know it's not golf-related, you know it's going to be a, a negative story. Mm-hmm. But the first couple of thoughts that came to my mind when I started looking into the single vehicle rollover is, A, how's his back? B, is he safe? Is he healthy? What yeah. happened? Is he alive? Is he alive? And we later found out that he is lucky to be alive based yes. on the just how chaotic of an accident oh. this was. Yep. And, you know, will he play golf again? Mm. But he he has, he has two kids that yep. you also think about too, Charlie and Sam, who look up to their father yep. monumentally, yep. as so many millions of people do. They look up to this man like he's some kind of a god. Yep. So, so here's the good news, though. There was no sign of impairment, so not a drug or alcohol situation with him. Yeah. So he was lucid and sober. And, conscious. And conscious. Conscious. So, that's yeah. that's the good news out of it, if you can find any kind of silver lining out of this. Yeah. But there's a lot of questions about him and his future moving forward, and we'll have to just wait and see with time. Well, I think my biggest concern, and I've listened to a, a lot of analysts and a couple of medical professionals discuss the extent of Tiger's injuries, is, you know, the leg is one thing, repairing the tibia and the fibia, but the shattered ankle is another component that is going to be this ankle is going to be hampered by the golf swing oh it will and it's a it's a right ankle so you're putting a lot of weight on that so healing the bones in in the leg in the shin is one thing it it can't can you build the bones back up in your foot in your ankle to the point where it can sustain the twisting and the pressure and the power that is implemented on this leg 
in just one golf swing. That's one thing that Tiger Woods did to did to the game of golf is he mm-hmm. revolutionized it through his power and his through his speed and his athleticism. Now that's taken away, and who yeah. knows what, if there's going to be any sort of a long term side effect to that? Likely, it's likely. It's likely. I mean, he has he's his own worst enemy when it comes to completely, you know berating his own body and putting it to the test and mm-hmm. failing the test multiple times and having to rebuild himself back up. He was he was healing a fifth back surgery at the same time. Mm-hmm. So and that's why I mentioned what 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 sort of an extent of injury is is caused to his back. Was his back injured at all? Yeah. You know, I and I don't think anyone really has that clear answer quite yet. Nothing yet. All we've heard is what has happened to his right leg. It, it first reports said it was two broken legs. Both legs were broken. Mm-hmm. It's since been discovered that it's primarily just his right leg. Two breaks, uh, one of which compound mm-hmm. uh, the, the tibia, which yeah. alone is when the bone is exposed. Mm-hmm. It. Well, like, then it's it's subject to bacteria and added infection. Yes. It can also prolong the recovery and potentially hamper the recovery to the point where maybe you can't recover to a 90%. Maybe you can only recover to 75%. And at 75%, is Tiger Woods able to complete a golf swing, period? Is he able to walk normally? You know, that's also got to be a concern right now. And... I th- I think right now, since my own personal emotions have, have come down now, mm-hmm. the number one hope that I have is that he's able to get back out onto the golf course with his kids, you know, and play with Charlie, play with Sam. Charlie, and we saw it just a couple mm-hmm. months ago in the father-son PGA Tour event. And if that ends up being Tiger's last official PGA Tour event where he's playing with his son... If that's his swan song when we didn't even realize it was happening, so be it. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. way to end his professional PGA Tour career. But that's ultimately my hope is that he's able to get back. Can he play competitively and professionally again? Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? But if there's one guy who can do it, Tiger has pr- disproven well, yeah. the odds and those who've the naysayers over the years to the point where he's – I mean, he won the Masters after going through four back surgeries, rehabilitating his leg, and also dealing with the scandal that was broadcast on an international stage. He is such a mentally tough guy and physically tough if he's going to recover from this. If there's one guy who can recover from this and win, it's him. But you just hope that he's not limited because of because of what he's done to himself. This will be a test of that willpower that he has, and we'll see whether or not he's able to. So It will. Wish him all the best in that pursuit. That's right. Do you have any Tiger Woods stories? Mm. Anything that really stands out when you look back on his career, or have you ever seen him live, anything No, like I've that? never seen him live. I, I, I mean, him winning the first Masters by, you know, a thousand shots or so, it seemed, <laughs> uh, was something. Uh, the chip in on 16 where the ball that's barely amazing. trickles in. I mean, yeah. that's still an iconic moment. Uh, there's a lot of iconic moments. Uh, him on one leg essentially winning the U.S. Open uh, at uh, a place down, La Quinta. Uh, yeah. You know, that, in, that, that's, uh, that's, Pines. that's incredible. Uh, Tory Pines, that's yeah. right. Uh, I mean, that was... Those are those are the kind of moments everybody remembers. Beating yeah. Bob May in the playoff the one year. The, no, those those are the types of things yeah. that you think of. Yeah, that's right. Well, on one occasion, I saw him play live. Oh, the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion Golf Club, just oh, outside my. of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That was the same U.S. Open that Justin Rose won. Mm-hmm. It was also Phil Mickelson's most recent runner-up finish, <laughs> sixth of six. So, <laughs> is that the one where he had the uh, brain fart on the seventeenth and drove it into the tents, or no? Uh no. The seventeenth is no. That was at um, was that at Beth Page? I think you may have been. That, I can't remember. I believe that was at Beth Page. Yeah. Mary in the seventeenth is a uh, par three, a really yeah. nice hole, and <laughs> I mean, uh, an incredible final round from both Justin Rose and Phil Mickelson, but Tiger Woods, he wasn't in the hunt or anything, but let me tell you, when Tiger Woods is in the vicinity of a golf tournament, you you know it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see him. You can just feel in the energy of the crowd that Tiger Woods is in the vicinity. He could be on the other corner of the golf course compared to where you're standing, and you'll know, okay, Tiger's here somewhere. That's just, that's the buzz. There's an added level of electricity in the air when Tiger Woods is around. But I did, I do still hold the, the claim to fame that I made eye contact with Tiger Woods. Nice. Walking off the 10th hole onto the 11th tee, and I mean, it wasn't, uh, it, it was a very brief making of eye contact, but sure enough, he glanced in my direction, and we locked eyes for what seemed like an eternity, which was in reality probably like half of a millisecond. Um, but... Um, Watching him play live is something that I'll uh, I'll forever cherish. Next week on the Tiger Woods <laughs> podcast, Dr. Bach will give us his medical opinion on what exactly Tiger Woods is looking at further on <laughs> into his career. <laughs> that's great. I, I mean, I, I love your passion for it. That's that's outstanding. Well. Almost as much as I have passion for the Winnipeg Jets. Just about. Hey, they've been playing some pretty good hockey lately. Yep, they've been fine. All right. They've been fine. All right. Well, I hope we have an update to Tiger Woods next week. I find that I'm sure we will. Far. You think I'm so? I'm sure you'll find Hopefully. a way. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find well, a way, Mitch, to include him in here with the latest on where he's at with his recovery. Well, you know, challenge accepted. Yeah, how about uh, Challenge fine. accepted. That's correct. Cool. Right. Well, this has been episode 30 of Blades Uncut presented by Great Western Brewing Company. Thank you so much for tuning in. These mm-hmm. were two great conversations oh, with class act gentlemen, of course, Tristan yes. Robbins preparing for this 24-game season in a much different light than what yep. Dave Struish, of course, the head coach of the Regina <laughs> Pass and a former Blades member, is doing right now. But um, big thanks to them for joining us. And, of course, as always, a big thanks to you, Les, for joining me today. And thanks to you, Mitch, for coming in and putting this all together and uh, making me sound half-decently intelligent. <laughs> but the start of the show, of course, we can't go a uh, uh, full yeah. episode. Nope. This is episode 30, and we haven't mentioned Panky's name yet? Yeah, that's what not, that's not right. here? No, not right. Yeah. Good job, He's Panky. waving us away. Good job, yeah. Panky. Out of Panky, boy. the producer the uh, mastermind are you dealing the controls that he's got going the buttons oh, he's pressing the levels he's modulating oh, yeah. yeah he's like a spin master dj it's like that's right you know when things are back to normal and we need a dj out you know maybe to a blades game bring panky you on better board. you better pay him <laughs> that's all i can say <laughs> no offense dj kush if you're listening to yeah, us exactly. you're still our favorite you're still our favorite but panky hey you're i know a close second close second all right. Well, thank you so much. And of course, uh, to cjwwradio.com. That is another area that you can listen to this Blades Uncut podcast. They've been uh, humbly accepting of, uh, accepting of me coming into the radio station every week. So a big thank you there. Less until next week. Until next week, when we'll try to have a special and interesting guest going into the Regina Hub. Mm-hmm. Who might that be? Oh, It's going to blow fans away if we get him. It will. 
It will. It will. Well, I'm going to leave that one up to you, Lester. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I accept that challenge. All right. <laughs> Looking forward to it. That'll be episode 31 next Thursday. Until then, take care. <laughs>